When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Be sure to go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com for all of your equipment, apparel, and accessory needs. They've even got training aids. They've got all the great stuff from all the brands that you hear on our podcast every week. So once again, that is WorldwideGolfShops.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. Follow us all over social media, at Golf Unfiltered. Send us an email golfunfiltered at gmail.com. Hello to our friends over at thehackersparadise.com. It's podcast could not be possible without their help. And of course, hello to our friends and supporters over at Cleveland, Srixon, and Zexio. Folks, we got a special episode today. This is technically a emergency podcast. I welcome on a new friend of the podcast, Dan Edwards from thehackersparadise.com. You may remember Dan from a couple weeks ago. No, last week we were in Orlando for the PGA Merchandise Show And uh, Dan is back to talk about the hottest story in golf right now as of February 4th, 2020, and that is the USGA releasing, finally, their distance report. And it is a juicy one because there are a lot of topics that come up in the report that Dan and I debate today on the show. This is a little bit of a longer episode, as you can clearly tell. And we go and cover a lot of different things. I think it's clear that Dan and I are both pretty passionate about our stances. I am a person firmly in the camp of, yes, there is a distance problem in golf, and Dan is the exact opposite. And so I believe that we have a pretty good debate here for you all to listen to and to continue the debate by sending us emails, going out to the hackersparadise.com forum and continuing the conversation there. Or, of course, you can hit us up on social media. So we will be right back with that conversation with Dan Edwards after a quick note from our friends over at the Four Golfers Network. I know you love the game, even though it drives every single one of us crazy. Hi, this is Bill Hobson, and I host the Four Golfers Network podcast, where we celebrate golf in every way imaginable. You'll hear interviews with the biggest names in the sport, travel features, special contests, and we even take your calls. So after you listen to Adam and Golf Unfiltered, give us a try. Subscribe to the Four Golfers Network podcast. That's F-O-R-E on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back, folks. As I mentioned at the top of the show, joined by Mr. Dan Edwards from the Hackers Paradise once again. Dan, nice to speak with you again. I'm glad to be back, uh, and, and I'm glad we could take this conversation on in such urgency based on the the lunacy of the usga coming out on social media today driving what i was hoping to be a long work day into a long twitter battle day and thb battle day (laughs) it did turn into that and what dan is referring to of course this is an emergency podcast because earlier this morning we are recording this on february 4th the usga released their distance report their annual distance report or whatever they were working on over the last year and in it, there were quite a few things, Dan, that uh, I think on both sides of the coin, whether you think that there's a problem in distance or not, both sides kind of had a little bit of, of raised eyebrows, wouldn't you say? Yeah, let's be clear. They're not calling it a distance report. That would suggest they're just simply providing us with information. They're calling it a distance insights project, which Ooh. clearly states that they are going to get their grubby hands on the game I love. And try and manipulate it. Not unlike the belly putter, which I hated looking at, but you know what? It made people happy. Did you use a belly putter at any point in your career? Do I look like a guy who used a belly putter? <laughs> I can't even use a mallet at him. <laughs> oh, God. Well, yeah. Well, so Dan and I uh, obviously are both on the forum at the Hacker's Paradise. And those of you, many of you are listening to this now know that we started a thread about an emergency podcast. And I think it's safe to say, Dan, that you and I have opposing views on whether or not we think that there is an issue with 
the ball going too far in golf. Would you say that's fair? I think that's fair. I think it's also safe to say that you have an opinion and the rest of the forum community has an opinion. I got some sweet odds there. I, I think I'm like <laughs> minus 500 for the win here. So, <laughs> And so Dan and I are going to talk a little bit about not only the, the what, what did you call it, the uh, inference project? <laughs> what did they call uh, the, it? They call it the distance insights project oh distance or or project depending on where you're from that's right and uh we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that were uh stated in there as well as our own personal opinions on this but i guess to kind of kick things off dan i mean for those who might not have known who are probably listening to this obviously after today the long and short of the report uh pun intended i guess was that mike davis the head of the usga basically said you know what something's going on and the longevity of the game, and I'm paraphrasing here, is really at stake if things are continu- if things continue the way they are. And I think the phrase that was used in the re- in the report was, "We have to bring something to an end." And first and foremost, I mean, have we ever seen anything so so poignant come from the USGA so direct? <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. This is the first year I've really focused on this kind of initiative on their part. I know looking at some of the information on USGA's website today that would suggest there's distance reporting from the last couple of years that's been summarized. And and I have a number of charts in front of me that clearly track the distance averages and uh, distance averages of both the tours and of uh, more casual amateur golfers, uh, something that was completed by the RNA. But but I would, I would be comfortable in saying this is one of the most uh, uh, vocal responses the usga has provided that would suggest they think something needs to be done to dial the game back from a distance perspective yeah and the quote itself and i'm going to try to read through this quickly here in summary this is directly from the report in summary we believe that golf will best thrive over the next decades and beyond if this continuing cycle of ever increasing hitting distances and golf course lengths is brought to an end and so that's the the phrase brought to an end that was really just eye-opening for me at least. Now, you and I play a lot of golf, of course, and listeners who heard us talking from Orlando, you had mentioned that you know you probably play a lot more than I do. Now, the length, of course, that you currently play, or at least the tees that you play from, what would you say that is normally? Oh, I can tell you exactly what the tees are after 20 years at an Arnold Palmer course here in Cincinnati. It was designed in 1997. Hmm. Uh, the maximum yardage here is 6,921 yards to the, to the tee. Hmm. Uh, and I don't believe there's a single golfer at my course who can overpower that distance. Uh, combination of solid course design, course architecture, uh, and interesting challenges that that stop even the longer hitters from really taking on the shorter par fours. And I play most of my golf at the same courses. Not what? Do you play most of your golf at that one course? Yes, sir. And so, uh, at least. We both agree that there are different tee options. Would you say that at your course there is an issue with player amateur players playing from too far of a tee box or tee boxes that are too long for them? Well, it's funny you mention that because the USGA not too long ago was all about tee it forward. Right. Um, and I feel like this is like that tee it forward ear mentality now. So rolling back the golf ball, I, I believe personally that – 80% of the golfers at my course would benefit from at least considering a tee box forward. Uh, most of them play the tournament tees, which mm. you know is an issue in itself. Uh, that's about 6,550 yards. Hmm. Uh, but we're in Ohio. We don't get a ton of roll throughout the year. And that that's, that's a long golf course considering the average driver distance out there is just over 200 yards or something to that number. Yeah, I would say that's pretty similar here too. I mean, I'm in Illinois, as you know, and we we don't get any roll. If anything, we get backward roll. <laughs> <laughs> I played this week at 11 holes, and I think it bounced forward once. So nice. Um, I I I don't know if you wanted to take this in a certain direction, but one of the biggest concerns I have about this is we have all this information in front of us, this this distance issue, mm-hmm. and. You and I are both amateur golfers playing in in different locations in the United States. I'm sure it's not all that different when you get to somewhere like Florida where 
last I checked, nothing bounces down there. Um, <laughs> it just kind of explodes and hits the ground, and there, right. there it lies. Where are these locations? Maybe it's Texas. Where are these locations that are creating such significant role that courses are being uh, overpowered by golfers that's, that's on actually, a regular basis? That's kind of the point, too. I mean, I, I don't know. And, you know, for for the USGA to include that really in the main summary point about, you know, golf course lengths and and they even mentioned roll a couple times. I mean, I don't know where that is other than what's on the PGA Tour. And everybody well, knows that that's a different game than what most of the amateurs are experiencing. And those tend to be, at least in regard to the distance issue, uh, whether or not you believe there is one, the amateur golfers are the ones that are raising the bigger stink about it. But that was going to be my question because I, I think you and I both watch a fair bit of golf, safe to say, on, on TV. And as much as I enjoy it, I'm week in, week out envious, not of their ability to hit fairways. I mean, that's nice. But what's, what shocks me is when these guys land their ball in the fairway, that thing bounces for like 75 yards. Yeah. It's obscene. Mm-hmm. And what... If this is a main problem we have, if this is why golf courses are, from a, from a more visual perspective, being outplayed or outmaneuvered uh, by high-distance players, why aren't they just soaking the course before the tournaments? Well, that's a good point, and I know that the whole water conservation thing comes into play, but I don't know if that's as big of a deal in professional golf as perhaps with amateur players, where I know um, the courses I play, I mean... They're not your typical executive course. I mean, they're they're nice courses, and they're always lush and green, and there's a lot of water that's being used. But I'm not getting the role from an amateur side that these these guys on tour are. But maybe maybe we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit when it, in regard to the distance. And this was kind of, I guess, siloed out in the report. We're talking about two different games. We're talking about the professionals, and we're talking about guys like you and me, and. I guess my first question in that regard to you, Dan, is do you feel that there's an issue with both sides of the game, with one of those two buckets, or neither? I I fall pretty strongly on the neither side of the category. Uh, mm-hmm. As mentioned previously, I think there's a very easy fix to the PGA issue of extreme distance in players. Uh, I know in the in the conversation today on THP, we talked about different ways to hinder their abilities, you know, choking down the fairway at 300 yards or watering it down a bit, putting more aggressive hazard or troubled areas in the, the further distances down the fairway. Um, but I'm going to segue that, Adam, to ask you, where is this massive distance gain? And I know we, mm-hmm. I know we have seen a chart that says from the early 1990s to the year 2000 there was a significant jump in driver distance. And, and quite frankly, there's a pretty pretty obvious location there where some guy named Tiger Woods came on the scene and reminded people that you can be athletic and play this game as well. Right. Uh, but from I would say about 2002, maybe 2004 to 2020 the the average jump on tour and we're talking about the pga tour might be maybe four yards in total gains well that see that's where i have an issue with that because i know at least in the data i've seen and right now i'm looking at something for pga.com i mean the average driver distance and we all know that there's different ways that you know shot link or whatever they use to track data uh, there's some some struggles with that as well. But even dating back from 2000, which the average, at least according to this site, was 273 yards, and in 2018 it was 295 yards. So that's 25 yards worth of difference. No, I'm sorry, 22 yards of difference. So, I mean, and that's talking about the higher echelon players. That's not, I'm not seeing a, a gain in 22 yards in my game. But I guess that's where so I... I you said... Yeah. You said that information came from PGA Tour.com? PGA.com is where I'm, or sorry, I'm actually Sorry, PGA.com? Yeah. So it's it's funny. I'm actually I'm basing a lot of my thoughts on graphs that were provided in this Insights report. I will assume they're accurate based mm-hmm. on the fact that the USGA did exactly paint a pretty picture for their argument in this structured graph. Uh, 
this is all drives on the PGA Tour. I'm not sure if this is a measured whole metric for you or not. Sure. Um, but looking at uh, from this perspective, it is a very, very minimal increase at best from over the last 20 years. It's an interesting thing because I know the graph that you're talking about, and it was like the multicolored graph. There were, you know, almost looked like a yeah, you know, you got like it. a control chart almost. But um, at the end of the day, we're not talking about a hundred yard difference, of course, but. My whole take on this, and listeners probably know this, I'm on the side of, at least for the professionals, there is an issue. And and the issue isn't so far in the players. It's just land. The the availability of of space for these, these guys to hit the ball. And, I mean, we're seeing it all over the place from architectural changes. I mean, Augusta National, I know, is the one name that everyone throws out, and it's actually getting annoying. I, I agree with that, too. <laughs> but... Everyone's saying, oh, they're buying land across the street in order to expand their the, the golf holes. And at some point, and I'm, I don't totally buy into this, this camp, but at some point, the courses that were played are no longer the same courses now. And how do, what does that mean for the game as a whole? And, and I guess that just only matters if you're a true historian of the game or if you're a purist or traditionalist or what have you. I don't know if I subscribe to that train of thought because I'm never going to play the game that those professionals play. But when it gets down to the millions of dollars that are spent, billions perhaps, in the professional game, I mean, clearly there's, at least in the data I've seen, there's been an increase in distance. And and players talk about it all the time, the bomb and gouge guys. Yeah, that that's, I mean, that's such a tough and loaded question or comment <laughs> i i don't know like the, we talk about being a traditionalist but at the same time we're not playing the clubs that our grandfathers or even our fathers played growing up we have accessibility to outstanding technical advances and you some would claim distance i would i would claim accuracy and consistency far greater than how far was your longest drive on that round kind of conversation although if you go to some of the some of these big box retailers is about the only thing they care about. Right. A pot shot was not necessary, but I'm sending it anyway. <laughs> uh, but if I look at Augusta, that that's a really good example. But it's not like over the last 20 years we've seen Augusta get outplayed. Augusta is still a tremendous challenge. Even the best in the world struggle there, and it it requires a pretty significant amount of course understanding to succeed there. You're not seeing minus 30 minus 40 as the years go by you're seeing a fairly consistent number year over year yeah that is true i mean with of course the the outliers that you're going to get at any tournament and i think that's really what it boils down to and 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 this is where this argument becomes cyclical because on one hand i'm hearing at least on twitter and on the thp forum that you know what don't take my distance away but on the same time even in the chart that you referenced earlier, Dan, I mean, the distance hasn't really changed all that much, and nor has score overall. And so does the distance even really matter that much? I, I don't know. You know, I, I, and even me yeah. saying that can make the point on either end. I understand that. But it's, it's uh, I mean, is the whole distance thing kind of like a red herring in itself? <laughs> well, I, I think it is. And I think, I think it distance as a strength really showcases the inability to produce a quality golf course uh, as as hard as it is for me to judge someone who's done something I, I probably can't do personally when you look at what makes a golf course interesting and uh, enjoyable to play if simply distance eliminates that challenge then maybe it wasn't that well designed to begin with hmm that's an interesting thought I'm I'm processing that as as you yeah. uh, as you well, as you mentioned. Uh, you can you can probably come back to that. My my question to you Adam is if this is a tour isolated issue, which we'll get to that in a second I'm sure, but if this is purely based on the tour conversation, would you not think the most simplified solution here would be to alter the conditions with which they play? Should I, we I don't know. Should, Go ahead. Should we should we oh, should we stop acting like rock hard fairways should be the norm on tour because you're adding somewhere between 40 and 75 yards based on what i watch as i 
see these balls lumber down the fairway to each drive. If if you soften those fairways, is that not the instant fix? I don't know if it's the instant fix, and I'll tell you why. Because I think this year at Kapalua was a good example of what could happen to a course that I think you and I would agree is traditionally one of those courses that just runs forever. And I'm thinking like, what is it, the uh, the 17th hole, the 18th hole at Kapalua. And these guys will go out and they'll bomb. They'll carry the ball. I mean, obviously there's elevation changes and what have you. They'll carry the ball, you know, clearly over 300 yards. And then it'll run out, you know, that 50, 60, sometimes 70 yards. But this year there was a lot of rain. And so the ball carried, certainly, because of the elevation, but then it kind of just stuck. And it certainly, mm-hmm. you know, didn't roll as much as it had in the past. But these guys were still able to to reach the green, no issue, with clubs that were far, you know, lower in, in your bag, higher lofted, than in years past. And I think a lot of that, maybe not necessarily the golf ball itself, but also all the launch conditions and all that, you know... Uh, center of gravity, adjustability, everything you can talk about within the, the, the equipment itself is allowing these guys to hit the ball further. And so, you know, one thing I would throw out on the table is that it's not just a ball issue. Uh, but to get back to your original question, I mean, is that the most instant fix by changing the conditions? I think many people would say that. I'm not so sure. Because when you think of like even Marion is another counter argument where it's one of the shorter U.S. Open courses in history. Uh, they've still played pretty well there. I mean, it, it wasn't a n- minus 15, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> these guys still had a way to get around. And let's not forget, we're talking about the best players who, who use these tools for their trade. So someone made an interesting comment in the discussion today. No one's down for bifurcation as a whole. It doesn't seem like. Personally, I don't really care one way it or the other. Their, their game is not... A real conversation for me nor should it ever be but would it would it be more realistic if the tour is where the problem lies forcing them to playing drivers with a much smaller size of a head like max it at 430 or 420 or something like that i'm i'm in full favor of that i think if you make it to and and this is where this argument falls apart for me at least i'm in full favor of having a professional equipment category where if you're going to make it to the tour you have to play with this equipment the count the the caveat or the counter argument to that is well junior programs amateur status collegiate programs whatever corn fairy tour i mean does that how far back does it go do we have to now have little johnny you know start playing with what will ultimately become the professional set of clubs you know, so that they play on that. I don't know where, where the madness ends in that regard. So I would say that that's not the best uh, fix if there is one. But I don't know. Is well, There's so many questions there. Someone else suggested courses offering uh, two conditional styles of play or courses requiring this uh, rolled back product to be utilized it, to the point where someone would have to go out and buy two separate sets of golf clubs uh, going to this extreme to accommodate well this course doesn't have as much space so we need to use this particular product or style of product so suddenly golfers are going to have to go and buy double the product it, uh, before they can even consider going to play some of these golf courses i've seen a lot of ideas get flown floated around would you not think that a solution at the tour level would be the most feasible, both from a golf is fun and viable perspective and fewest people impacted? I would say that if if I'm going to sit here and hold the opinion that the professionals are the ones that have the, the, the problem with distance, then I would have to agree with that because that would be at least where to start. And to all those who are saying in the forum or even on you know social media, you know, I don't want to lose any distance in my game. I I don't think that's what the USGA wants either. And, you know, bifurcation already exists. I think we all talk about it. We just don't call it bifurcation. I mean, they're, the pros are playing a different game than we are. And in many instances, they're playing different equipment than we ever have access to. And so that that kind of is a red herring in my mind regarding that argument. But ultimately, if they're going to make any changes, I say that they start with the tour. Maybe they pilot it 
on the corn ferry tour or, or another mini tour in some, <laughs> it, in some regard. It, it probably should be the corn ferry based on the numbers I saw for their driving distance. <laughs> Those dudes are nuts. Yeah. Well, and I think it's it's I think that also plays testament to the fact that those who actually get their card and their scoring. I mean, distance we see it all the time on the pro game. I mean, the the longest hitters make the most money. And that's just a that's just a fact. And the shorter hitters are becoming more obsolete or they're trying to find ways through equipment with better launch conditions and what have you to kind of stay in the stay in the ballpark a little bit. And so I think that the USGA is doing the right thing here in taking a stance and saying, you know what, we're seeing these trends, not just with the golf ball, but with everything where, you know what, everyone's playing the, the an arms race basically at this point. I mean, wouldn't you say that most of the, the tournament winners that you see on TV are the ones that basically play five, six different clubs throughout their round? No, it's tough. I always look at the guys on tour playing 500-yard par fours and say, I'm so happy it's them and not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, same, same. Well, I mean, um, even like when Tiger won the Masters as most recently, I think he went through a shot-by-shot shot in his final round, and I'm just – going off the top of my head here, but I think he hit eight iron as an approach for like seven holes. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're good enough that they can kind of set themselves up for that. And someone who doesn't play max out at my course and hits it a pretty decent way, I can do much. Well, that's not fair. I'm not about to compare myself on <laughs> uh, a publicly released podcast to Tiger Woods, but I do have the <laughs> ability to hit into wedge distance or choose a, a safer shot and play to numbers. So maybe he was feeling the eight iron. That that to me is not a concerning number. It's playing to 60 yards every hole and, and kind of wedging on. Uh, but I really kind of gravitated to your comment, Adam, about their the USGA is kind of making – known that it's it's happening that there's an issue uh to that extent and i noticed in their uh, in their insights the report they had driver distance by handicap category so it represented for the last i want to say 25 years the average distance now i, I i'm not going to pretend like i know how they got this i know this is an rna based report right but if you look at every single handicap category, let's call it over the last 20 years, cherry picking, because 25 years ago, everyone was hitting it shorter. Um, if you look at those numbers, they're, they don't really look to be elevating. They look to be incredibly flat. Now, there's ups and there are downs, but overall, it's a very flat number. So my question to you as a volley back is the USGA is clearly – conceding this distance problem at the pga tour and are reacting to it do you think they're overlooking the fact that 99 percent of golfers don't have this issue based on their research alone no i don't think that because they haven't said anything regarding what they're going to do to amateur players all they've said is they've made this stance at least in the report as i read it that they've they've like you just put it perfectly they've identified and they're taking a stance that yes something is going on here now to be fair, if they were to come out and as a resort, uh, as a result of this is we're going to roll the ball back or we're going to make limitations, because um, I know another comment in the thread was regarding equipment standards. You know, are they going to change how, how that works as well? And that's for everybody? Okay, well, how are they going to do that? Because I've also seen reports, and this is not a, a new debate by any means. It's been going on for over a year of, you know, if is it all going to be relative if it's swing speed related, for example? So if a faster swinging player, 115 miles an hour and above, let's just say, that's pretty quick. So upper echelon, upper, yeah. let's call it 0.5% of golfers, maybe sure. 1% of golfers, okay. Sure, and if they're penalized the most, penalized in quotes, by whatever equipment change they make, whereas players like myself who's happy to crack 100 miles per hour with their driver, uh, isn't going to be penalized as much, would still see a, a reduction in distance, but not as much percentage-wise. I mean, wouldn't you say that that's a fair trade? I, I don't think it is, Adam. And the problem I have with that is distance is very much a skill in golf. Now, it's equalized and neutralized by varying 
tee boxes and components like that. But I, I think we all know the guy who hits it about 150 yards down the middle of the fairway every time mm-hmm. and somehow wedge wizards his way into par on 80% of the holes. And it's an incredible thing that you would argue a short games is skill. Uh, there are many guys, if you want to look at tour, I mean, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, these guys who are driver capable and short game uncomfortable. <laughs> Challenge. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, yeah, well, I didn't want But <laughs> the point being. It's okay. They don't listen to this. <laughs> the point being, it's incredibly unfair to look at putting as a skill, but look at, at distance as something that can be gated, I suppose, is the best way of putting it, or governed. Mm. you shouldn't limit someone's enjoyment of the game purely because their best asset is their distance. Do you feel that a lot of players play the game because they can hit it further than their friends? I think, and and I made this joke somewhere today. Well, it was a joke to me, but I, I laughed when I said, you know, you can focus on driver distance as a conversation, but I mean, I, I call my dad on the phone every once in a while and talk about my rounds and, I say I made this great putt on, uh, you know, number seven at the O is what I like to call the Oasis here locally. And he doesn't ask me how many times it broke or how big the break was. He goes, well, how far was the putt? Mm. It's still distance, man. It doesn't matter what club we have in our hand. Distance is is a consideration of skill at the end of the day. And I think that's why it's such a conversation. Now, I think you need to find the right group of people to play with if you want to avoid dealing with distance as a competitive feature. But I play with guys who hit the ball anywhere from 190 yards off the tee to 300 and whatever off the tee. Mm-hmm. And no one's really, unless they're decidingly dis- choosing to jab someone who normally outdrives them, it's not really a conversation. But, but I, I think people look at distance for themselves as a, a realistic metric as to how they're playing the game. I, I think that, well, tell me what you think when you talk about driver skill versus accuracy off the tee or accuracy into a green, how important do you think it is? I will agree that distance is a skill, but many a player have won who aren't the longest hitters, but they're the best putters. Mm-hmm. So I would rank if if we agree that distance is a skill, I would say it's probably maybe number five in the top five. Wedge play, approach, iron play, putting certainly would probably be number one in my book. So I don't think that even to use your example about the distance of a putt, I mean, yeah, that's 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 it feels great to sink a a thirty footer. But if I'm always short on every putt, then I'm never going to make a putt. But if I'm <laughs> not the longest hitter in my foursome, I still have a chance of winning. You see mm. what I mean? So it's, Yeah, it's... I, I do, but that's tough because I feel like we're talking about two different things here. One, one is talking about the skill of making a long putt, and one's talking about just being genuinely short. So, but I... I uh, if, I just for, thought of for, a friend, a mutual friend of ours. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, if if we have a friend, we go and play uh, a round of golf, and the, he hits it every single tee, two hundred thirty yards, dead down the middle. Yeah. Is anyone talking about how far he hits the ball? No. Uh, I don't think they are. I think they spend the whole time talking about fairway finding Freddie, or you know, we we create weird names to accommodate this inability uh i mean heck there's a there's a name that's been floated around the thp forum many times uh the the stripe show purely based (laughs) on the fact that you hit the middle of the fairway you know it's so distance isn't that big of an issue then well i I, from the amateur standpoint i mean i think you've seen the same chart i did yeah no one is getting massively longer over the last 20 years so in in what world are and, and the scores are getting a little bit better, but not dramatically. Uh, why why is this such a blanket conversation? Why the USJ comes out and says this blanket idea on distance as a as a 
project and starts relating it to everything. And they use crazy comments like, and I'm going to read this out because it really aggravated me, sure. cherry picking like, scare tactics. There is a hundred year trend of hitting distance increases in golf as well as a corresponding increase in the length of golf courses across the game globally. USGA and RNA believe this is continuing cycle is detrimental to the game's long-term future. Mm-hmm. But we're looking at a 25-year trend where no one's hitting it any further from a 99%er perspective. From Well, okay, fair point, but in the same instance to the point you brought up earlier, I mean, if if anyone, if all anyone's ever going to talk about for shorter hitters, quote-unquote, whatever that means, and but based on the same chart that you and I saw, that's not, that that's a lot of people. Um, and all they talk about is how often they find the fairway. Then what's the big deal about taking five yards away from that player? If they could still hit the fairway... That's still what's going to be talked about, and we all know that you know golfers, amateur golfers especially, have those egos that like to be petted every so often. Is it an ego, or is it change for the sake of change? If I told you that I felt that too many people were getting speeding tickets, so I'm going to take 5 to 10 mile an hour of your ability to drive fast mm-hmm. off your steering wheel, is it going to just be accepted? I mean, there's, there's basic numbers that say that 99% of people don't speed but because of those one percenters, I need to make this sweeping change. Well, that's the alter- reason we have speeding limits anyway. I, I see your <laughs> point, though. I mean, but but the that's the reason why we have COR limits and no, you know limits to the golf club itself. I mean, my golf club doesn't scream and or have lasers on it, so <laughs> we have limitations as well. But well, but this it, isn't just a short knocker conversation. This is a this is a driving distance by handicap ranging from under six to over 30. This is not a small group of players. It it, it once again goes to only the guys who are getting paid to play the game should be or have any reason to be under a microscope. And again, I reference my golf course, which has been around for 23 years. There's not a soul at that place who can out, out maneuver based on distance the way it's been designed. And we have, at least from my perspective, three holes that are drivable. And do players, when they step up, intentionally try to drive the green? No. There's no way. There, there's damaging... There's there's huge, huge problems by going after those holes. And that's the point. That's the challenge. I, mean, I look at one of the shortest par fours on my golf course is an uphill par four mm-hmm. that is about 300 and I want to say 310 yards. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's uphill. So anyone carrying the ball 270 or less doesn't have a chance of getting to the green. But there's a huge bunker in front that's quite below. Most people struggle with a multi-tier green. And on both sides and behind is thick heather that usually takes one or two to get out of. Hmm. So even our longest hitters rarely, if ever, choose to go after it. And this is this is purely on design. Well, does that kind of touch on what in the report was referenced as the game's essential character, which is basically, uh, it goes on to say, you know, a test of skill, not depending on the length of a golf shot or the golf course, but more just the, the shot making. Would a reduction in distance, whether it be golf ball, whatever, would that not increase a golfer's ability over time of shot making in general? Because they have to. I mean, I guess you could argue, considering that most of my most of the members at my golf course have over, I think we have well over 300 members at this point, play from a tee box forward that should they ever feel the need to have a greater challenge, all they need to do is move back a tee box. They're not required. Like how many people, I don't, I don't know what your course setup is, but how many people do you know that play from the tips regularly and outplay it, feel like they need to move back? Oh, n- none, because the ones that I've seen, the ones that do play from the tips, for the most part, sad but true, have no, no purpose being there. They need to move up. I think every golfer should move up at least one because if you get tired making birdies at that distance, then you can move back. 
Well, let's say, for example, Adam, they actually do choose to roll something back here. Mm-hmm. It, we're, it's going to take us another 15 years to convince Johnny midlife crisis that he needs to move to the whatever color tees. So now we have to convince him to move up to the senior tees. Well, I mean, if you call it the senior tees, then yeah, I mean, no one's <laughs> going to want to do that. But it's not I mean, what I call it, you know. They, it, yeah. And that's the problem. That's that that perception is we have. Uh, originally, they were called the Palmer tees at our course, which are the backs. Then we have the tournament tees, and we have the basically labeled green tees or whatever you want to call that. But then there's the white tees and the red tees. Everyone knows after the red tees are designed for either juniors or lady golfers. Right. Everyone knows the. The white tees are designed for seniors or uh, our higher skill lady golfers. There's there's no secret there. That's the perspective. That's the uh, the take that amateur golfers have. Is the closer you get on the tee boxes, the more you're in the senior spectrum. And mm-hmm. considering how much per, how large of a percentage we have of golfers in this industry who are of that age and don't want to feel that way. I feel like taking more distance away from them is just going to cause bigger issues, longer play, much longer clubs into greens, et cetera, et cetera. Well, here, and here's maybe the counter argument to that. So let's say we leave the equipment alone. Don't change a thing. But we somehow, and I don't know the answer to this because I know like the long leaf tee system and others, you mentioned the tee at forward uh, effort from the USGA years ago. What if there was something that was put in place, mandated, and refereed uh, to have staggered tee boxes? The other day, my my friend and I went out to uh, uh, Mistwood Golf Dome, which is a, a popular driving range, indoor driving range here, and it's got Top Tracer. And if you've ever done Top Tracer before, listeners or Dan, um, you can choose. You can play golf, virtual golf, and you can choose which tee box you t- you tee off from. The guy I play with is he hits it much further than I do, and so we played from different tee boxes. We were both obviously playing basically a, a video game, but it was more evenly matched because he was probably 500 yards longer from the tee box that he was playing than I was. Now that's a controlled environment where we were both, as I said, teeing off literally from the same place. But what if something like that was instituted to golf courses where? You know, you talk about perception. The perception now is that a foursome will all hit from the same tee box. And there's really, I can only count on one hand how many times when that hasn't been the case in a foursome I've played in. Couldn't that be a more immediate fix than doing anything even to the to the golf course itself? Are you talking about moving people back or moving people forward? Having them play from different tee boxes. Same foursome. You and I, let's say you hit it, you probably hit it further than I do. And you play from the back, I play from the tee ahead of you. Yeah, I, I think on a on a poorly designed golf course, that's the perfect solution. It's something I've never had an issue doing. I play with a lot of uh, senior members, uh, at least my my version of seniors, so 20, 25 years older than I am. We play different games, and we're comfortable playing with different at different tee boxes. And frankly, I have friends who play it. Uh, my same age who play at different tee boxes. That's never a concern for me. The The problem is the way that the USGA handicap system is structured nowadays, you can't select where you want to play if you want to play in any sort of tournament golf. Mm. That's the, the sad reality is that the USGA handicap system has no metric in place for distance as a skill. So the only metric in there is that scratch golfers hit the ball 250 yards and bogey golfers hit the ball 200 yards that is the only distance logic in play well isn't there then an opportunity to kind of build off of that i mean hearing that and thinking about how golf courses at least if you've read historical architectural layouts they would go along that same line i mean this average golfer will drive a ball 230 yards we're going to put a bunker there and then the approach shot should be, they should hit about an eight iron into the green. And so that's going to be 140 yards, let's just say. And that's how golf courses used to be designed. That's gotten away. We've gotten away from that a little bit. And certainly technology has improved. But you and I were in Orlando recently and we saw, I mean, hell, Titleist has got a 38 degree pitching wedge. <laughs> I mean, everything is being built 
and we can go down a couple of rabbit holes here, but every everything is being built and marketed to hitting the ball farther, and then all of a sudden everyone is offended when they say it's going too far. Well, it's been marketed that way for the last 15 years. Longer. You mean 17 yards here. <laughs> so I think the problem here, Adam, is we're getting well beyond the original conversation and creating segues into many, many additional podcasts where we debate <laughs> the, the lunacy that is uh golf as a whole <laughs> and the that, way it's that'll marketed. be the, the ongoing title for our podcast uh, the lunacy is golf, golf as a whole. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day and and i say that a lot and I'm, i feel badly for it but <laughs> the, there's it just felt like it just felt like the usga was focused primarily on what's present on our televisions and not what's present on our everyday golfers and if you look at some of the and I, and I have a comment here that I just keep looking at it says USGA being dramatic period <laughs> <laughs> and I just keep looking at it it's killing me do you feel like their logic the research they've put into it and the information that's come out of it do you feel like they have a legitimate like to stand on when you factor in all golfers does the USGA have a legitimate leg to stand on that golfers hit the ball too far when considering all golfers and the data that you, they they suggested in their own report all golfers as a collective yes probably not probably not do you think that if we eliminated the PGA players if we eliminated all players let's make this easy if we eliminated all players making money playing golf mm-hmm. do you think their the conversation should actually be either neutral or the other direction? It would be definitely neutral. I don't, I don't see how it could go in the other direction. I mean, I don't so, think people are losing distance at the amateur level. So we just go back to this T of forward conversation. <laughs> I mean, it could be. Yeah. And quite frankly, I mean, there, it, I, I don't disagree with the design elements in the course. I mean, there are a number of holes on courses in my area that have a forced carry that, or even a forced carry on the approach shot. That is absolutely asinine. I can think of one just off the top of my head right now. And, I mean, you can't hit anything shorter than, for most people, at least a four iron on this hole I have in mind. And and that's just ridiculous, no matter which tee box you play from. And so there's poor design, but then there's also, and you just don't choose to play at that course then, but then you also have equipment, golf balls, whatever, that for for years, and you're right, this is probably a different podcast episode, but everything is being is being built to first of all stay ahead of the competitor second of all to get into your pocketbook for the right reasons but third of all really to help you hit the ball farther and to the point that you rose earlier i had this conversation with our mutual friend uh, jb the other uh, earlier today handicap has gone down that was actually a surprise to me over I think it was since 1997, I think is what the data showed. It was two full handicap shots for all male golfers. I mean, that's not it's not 10 shots, but significant. Overall. So the reality is accuracy and consistency. And I, and I think consistency over everything else is what the real technological benefits have been over the last 10 years, especially in the driver category. I would agree with that, and I don't think distance really had much to do with it. But, you know, consistency doesn't sound anywhere near as sexy as <laughs> 17 yards here. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. So I want to talk a little bit. I know we've, we could probably talk, chat about this for two hours, but I want to talk a little bit more about just the uh, this local rule idea that was proposed or oh, was yeah. brought up. I mean, so basically now we're talking about how for tournament golf, Golf courses can implement a local rule where they can basically pick and choose which type of equipment they want to use. Thoughts on that? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm having a hard time even constructing this without laughing. Every time I read something about the game of golf being too stuffy, (laughs) almost always there are two issues. They make us dress appropriately Mm. and... It costs too much. And now we're talking about, and, and, and I used an example in one of my conversations today that 
Uh, maybe it's not as funny as I thought it was, but I just had read that Pebble Beach is charging something like six hundred bucks to play <laughs> yeah. over there now. Yeah, and you got to stay there too. Yeah, so let's let's say for example, Pebble decides to implement this. They want the tradition of Pebble Beach to be maintained without requiring uh, additional distance to be created on the course itself. So they bring in these super fancy distance limiting whatever golf ball equipment. Let's call it equipment. Mm-hmm. And you, most people, I would assume most average golfers, aren't going to have two sets of equipment, especially if the, where they play locally doesn't apply that. So let's say, for example, you have to rent it. So now instead of the 600 bucks, we're looking at, I would assume, something to the tune of 750 or 800 mm-hmm. just to get through a round of golf, not to mention if they roll back the ball too. And... Uh, Last time I checked, people aren't the best when they play pebble. Now you're looking at, you know, 750, 800, 850, all to play a round of golf. Is that, <laughs> is that even kind of realistic? Not for me. Like, how many of these you? courses? <laughs> well, no. Uh, I, and I've already specifically stated that if they make these sweeping changes, I will eliminate my gin, uh, despite what all comes with that. Uh, purely to continue enjoying the game the way I see it should be enjoyed. Uh, and this has a lot more to do with that I feel like changes are being made that are unnecessary rather than changes are being made that I can't tolerate and or don't support. Uh, but from a from a perspective of would I be comfortable doing that, would I be comfortable going and playing a course or paying into that system – I, I just don't see how courses are, can be sustainable in that mindset. Because how many how many golfers like we're I'm an avid golfer. I'm pretty rabid about it, and and I'm looking at it like that's insane. So what percentage of golfers would they actually have continue to show interest in their product? See, I think that's a big jump. I mean, everyone to each their own. I mean, I I understand the point of being told they had to change something and not supporting that. And so one way to show that is by not giving them money for your, your handicap index. But I just don't, I mean, it was like the question I posed on the forum earlier. It's like, okay, how many of you with a straight face could say you would leave the game of golf if they did this? And there were a few people said that they would consider it. I think yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> that's, I don't think that's, I see a single person at least people that you and I know, but serious that, golfers. That's more or less what I'm saying, Adam. Uh, if they were to implement something as a nationwide solution, or I guess in this case, it'd be worldwide solution, I would I wouldn't be able to play golf competitively, and by competitively, I mean with alcohol at my local course or you know, some of these incredible events that THP puts on. I just wouldn't have a handicap because I, I I wouldn't I would choose to not play into that product. And, but why? Everyone's at the, got the even playing field though. Everyone's has to play for the same rules. But here's my question to you. Do you yeah. care what other people are doing with their game? Does that matter to you? Not at all. Uh, I have never played the game of golf based on what other people do. I've always used it as a metric against myself in the golf course. Sure. And and I think right now, and, and sure, I've had some success in the game uh, individually. I, I look at it right now and I say, we are on neutral ground. I'm aging. I have a kid. I have a wife. I have a house and job it stands there laughs at me and waits for me to come try again to take it down creating additional components of difficulty just it doesn't appeal to me i would like to continue playing it in the conditions that i've been provided over the last i guess my entire golf career which which almost extends to a lot of these charts that we've been reading off this whole podcast do you still use the same set of clubs you started playing with? No, I don't. I don't at all. So you're um, not even playing the same game that you started with that you caught the bug with? Uh, yes, I am playing the same game, just not with the same product. I guess my point being, though, is that golfers, and this makes sense, but golfers are okay with change as long as it benefits them, but are against change if they make the game a little bit more challenging. I think the game is challenging enough. I, I I think accessibility to the game, it's something that I've worked on incredibly hard for the last, let's call it, 20 to 25 years of my life. And I watch people struggle to play it. And 
I don't see making it more difficult as being a way to grow the game. I don't see making it more difficult as a way to increase the enjoyment of the game of golf. So to my end, as a a somewhat non-competitive guy in the game that I love now, I just continuously say, what's the point? Get your hand out of the game I love and let us enjoy it. Would you be in favor then to kind of bring this full circle? Would you be in favor if it sounds like the USGA is going to try to do something? Would you be in favor if they only impacted the professional game and left the amateur game completely alone? So basically bifurcation. I I think it depends on what they do, Adam. I I think I've been pretty clear that course conditions play a much bigger role on distance than anything else we've seen in in the last 20 years. I I don't think that uh, the statistics support their claims. I, I think... The golf course architects need to be a little bit more creative in how they produce their their courses. Whether that means they need to put up a porta potty to the right of the tee box <laughs> to where, I mean, you saw Bubba, yeah, uh, where's that in uh, in Asia, mm-hmm. aiming basically backwards on a tee tee box. I mean, there there's a hundred ways to play a golf course. If you're not creative enough as an architect to make it difficult for those who like to bomb and gouge. Well, frankly, I don't think you're getting your job done. Hmm. And and that's a harsh criticism and I get that. But we're talking about we're talking about changing the entirety of the game from uh, an equipment perspective purely because 1% of the group is out playing and not even 1% cuz I mean hell we're talking about maybe 50 guys who are in that ridiculous distance category. But again, I think it can be guarded by simply throwing some reclaimed water on the course two and three days out of a tournament. Hmm. How much does it change? How much do you think current distances on a golf course change in 2020? This chart here, Mm -hmm. if they were to water as though it were raining each day before the rounds and again midway through. Oh, it would go down. Dramatically, right? Yeah, 100%. And guys like Bubba, that's a great example you bring up. They wouldn't, because of the distance factor, he was able to cut a corner, literally, against the way that the the hole was intended. And regardless of how far people hit the ball, whether it be that far, which, again, was the only reason he was able to do that, is because the ball goes too far. Regardless (laughs) of how far the ball goes, humans are going to find a way... To, to skirt around they're going to find the loophole and maybe it's one thing one year it's another thing another but at the end of the day i think what we can agree on is that this has certainly sparked a a rejuvenated debate on a topic that's been ongoing for at least two years and the thing that i think frustrates me the most and i don't know how you feel about it is the fact that we got to wait another year based on the report, that they're just going to study it more before they actually tell us what they're going to do. I mean, how long does this take? Well, that's why I laughed when I saw the 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019 distance report. And and yeah, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out a little bit from, a, not from a traditionalist perspective, mind you, but from a leave my game alone with hands shaking, get off my lawn kind of mentality. Um and, and and again, Adam, I don't think it has anything to do with me not liking the idea of reigning in the game. Uh, mm. I think the problem I have is the percentages of where it's genuinely problematic right now. Mm. And even if we could call that a strong 1%, you're still talking about 99% of golfers in this game who enjoy it to the fullest. And for the love of God, please, whoever's listening, tee it forward for the other you know, 60% who are playing too far back. But I, that is genuinely my biggest problem, is that it's going to impact a massively larger section of golfers than it's going to help. Hmm. Time will definitely tell. And, and listeners, once again, we're speaking with Mr. Dan Edwards of uh, the Hackers Paradise. You can follow him on social media at Canada Dan Golf is that how have we agreed and that's how you say it? It's Canada, Canada Dan. Dan. No, it's Canada Dan Golf. Canada Dan Golf. 
Um, you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's also on Instagram as well. Uh, Dan, this will not be the last time we talk about this. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the news unfolds in the next few days, how reaction continues, not only on social, but also on the hackersparadise.com forum. Thanks so much for hopping on. I'm sure that we will uh, continue this conversation both offline and on the forum. Thanks, Adam.